Good morning. It's good to see all of you here this morning. And for those of you who cannot be here with us physically, but are worshiping with us online, we're glad to have you with us. We welcome you to the Sunday morning worship service at the North Brevard Church of Christ. Before our morning prayer this morning, let's sing number 586, My Faith Looks Up to Thee. Before I lead you in prayer, I have one thing to say to every one of you. I'm home. I am home. 
Please pray with me. Father, I want to thank you for Jesus Christ who died for someone that's not worthy. Father, I thank you for being connected to you through him. And I thank you for being connected to this church, Father. They're an encouragement to me. And Father, as you see how we interact with each other, I'm sure they're an encouragement to you because this is what living the life is all about. Father, we pray for the families here. We pray for the marriages here. We pray for the young peoples here, Father. We ask you to rid this country from the scourge of this virus, Father. And Father, we ask you to rid the world from war in all forms. Father, we pray that we can love and forgive one another. We connect that together. Father, we pray that we can not be prideful, not be selfish, but be kind to one another, giving each other a chance to grow. Because as we allow others to grow in you, we grow also. We thank you for that. Father, we use everything in our mind and in this world to separate us from you. This world is trying to divide us. Everything that, that is done is divide us and turn us against you, Father. We're not going there no more. You are our only hope and our only real joy. And thank you for Jesus for saving our lives. Father, we ask that we look at things with spiritual eyes. We test the spirits and we say no. Even the evil thoughts, we say no to that. And we cling to Jesus and we cling to each other. Father, as we sit back and listen to your words, Father, we pray that we take it in, apply it to our life. Stop being tossed around by this world and this flesh. And Father, just live for you. We love you. Thank you for all you do for us. Pray this prayer in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Before the Lord's Supper, number 18, please. Number 18.
So in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul's talking to the church of Corinth about the Lord's Supper, and he's talking to them saying, look, some of you are drinking all the wine, and some of you are eating all the food, and you're not waiting for each other. And he's talking about the seriousness of the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11. And I just want to read to you starting in verse 23. This is the part of the scripture that we know pretty well. But I want to kind of put it all together for you today. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. You know, there's something special about this table, not this table. But this table, this moment, to me this is one of the most special moments every Sunday that we participate in together. This is the moment where we proclaim Jesus as our Savior. You know what we're bringing to this table? Is anybody bringing food? Is anybody bringing drink? No, it's been provided by the Lord, hasn't it? What are we bringing to this table? Ourselves. With all of our differences, with all of our struggles, you know, we don't all struggle in the same way. We struggle in different ways. Guess what? This paid for our struggle. Every single one of us in here, this paid for our struggle. This pays for our failures. This pays for the things that separate us from God. For every single one of us. Every single one of us. You know, the problem with the church in Corinth was they had favorites. They had cliques. They weren't unified. So some of them said, let's eat this before these other guys get over here. Let's drink this before these other guys get over here. They forgot what this table was all about. We can all come to it. There's plenty for everyone. It's forgiveness for all. And when we take this, we proclaim that in our lives, and to this world. So much bigger than just a little piece of bread and a little sip of juice. It's the death. It's the burial. It's the resurrection. It's the victory over sin and death for all mankind. Let's remember that today. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you, Lord. We are so grateful that in your divine, infinite wisdom, Lord, that you thought so far ahead. You saw our bad choices, our sin coming even before Adam and Eve. You knew before the creation of the world, you knew that not only Adam and Eve would fall, but that all mankind would fall, that there, there would not be one person in this world outside of Jesus Christ that would be without sin. And because of that, it... It gave you joy, the scriptures say. Your word says it gave you joy. You delighted in the fact that you sent your son to the cross. Because, not because of the pain and the suffering and the agony that he endured, but the fact that he did it for us. The fact that love conquered sin. 
The fact that there's forgiveness, grace, and mercy to all who ask for it, all who seek it. Father, so I pray as we eat this bread that we remember that that shame that we feel, it's not bad to feel shame for our sin. But once we repent, that shame's just as, just, it should go just as quick as our sin. Because it's already gone, it's already been paid for. And this bread represents that shame and that suffering that we deserve because of our sin, but Jesus freely bore for us. And I pray that we remember it as we take this bread today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's continue in prayer. God, there is no way to repay. There's, there's, there's no way to earn the price you paid for us. We have a debt that is uh, insurmountable. But you've forgiven that debt. And you paid for it with your own blood. God, I pray that we never forget how serious our sin is. I also pray that we never forget how amazing your love is. That you're willing to go all in for us. Knowing that many of us, many of us would never go all in for you. Father, I pray that we remember and we appreciate the blood of your sacrifice, which washes away all of our sin and makes us white as snow because without it, it's the only way. There's, there's no one here that's going to conquer sin. That's why you did it for us. And we're so grateful that you love us and forgive us and have redeemed us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for the gifts, many gifts you have given us in our lives, and may we give back a portion of those gifts to use for the upbuilding of your kingdom. In Christ's name, Amen. Good morning. I'll be reading Romans four six through eight. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they, blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Children, <clears throat> excuse me, Children's Church is now available. Um, 
for the children and their teachers at this time. Thanks to these young men who keep me on track since I get up at the wrong time and sit down at the wrong time. But they don't panic, they just do what they know to do and keep me on track. Before Mike's lesson this morning, we're gonna sing Faith is the Victory. I'd like to sing all three verses, and then after the third verse, the refrain. Encamped along the hills of life, be rich in gold and bronze, and rest the battle there the night shall build the glowing skies against the foe with bells below that all our strength be held. Faith is a victory we know that overcomes the world. His anger over us is love. Keep it going. But as I got ready for this morning, I went through an uh-oh stage because this, the lesson today is much like the lesson of Wednesday night. So if you sit there and say, I heard a lot of this Wednesday night. Just remember the story of the little city boy who went to the farm. He went to the farm and he, he says, Mister, your, your cows don't have any horns. Why didn't I have horns? He says, well, get them and we hacksaw those off. 
says, oh. But what about those that you've had? He says, those that I've had, when they're born, we put a couple drops of acid on where the horns are going to form, and the horns won't form. And the little boy says, what about that cow over there? Was, did you cut off his horns, or did you put a little acid? He said, we didn't do anything with him. He said, why, don't, why doesn't he have horns? And he said, because that's a horse. So hopefully you'll know that this, this sounds alike, but it's not the same thing. Uh, tonight, we are going into the book of Philippians as we talk about out of many, one. Uh, if you haven't been tuning in on the internet, I invite you to do that. If you have done that, and then come here. We'd love to have you in fellowship. Faith versus works. Would you read with me, please? What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this manner? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Psalm 32, 1 and 2. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We've been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then, he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that the righteousness might be credited to them. And he is also the father of the circumcised who not only are circumcised, but also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Will you pray with me? Father, we come to you this morning 
knowing that sometimes scripture really stretches our faith. And it gives us a new view of you and how much you have always loved us and always wanted us to be with you. I ask this morning that you open our eyes and you help us see you. Help me get out of the way so that they can focus on you and your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Quick review of what we've studied so far. Chapter 1 in Romans starts out with those Gentiles. Look what they did. And it mentions all the bad stuff that the Gentiles had got into. And the Jewish people were sitting back there going, oh, that's right, they're just terrible. They're so sinful and terrible, who could ever? Well, he came to chapter 2 and he says, who can ever be like them? Try the Jewish people. If you look at them and say, boy, you're, you're terrible, you got to remember you too are sinners. You had the law, but you didn't keep it. So you two are like, and then came chapter 3 to the natural conclusion, if, if Gentiles and Jews are all in the same boat, we are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. There's nobody who can say, I've got the secret and I've made it. And God wants us to understand why. So he starts off by saying, what shall we say about Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works... He had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Every time I read about Abraham, we think of this, this very holy man that never did anything wrong, and, and always was looking out to do it God's way. If you have that concept, you got the wrong concept of Abraham. He comes into a, a city and he's afraid that what's going to happen is he's going to get captured and thrown in prison. So he tells the Pharaoh who likes his wife, Sarah, she's my sister. Now, I've done some stuff wrong and I just want to reassure my wife, I've never tried to give you away. It just never happened. Abraham did. He didn't do it once. He did it twice. And here's God saying that Abraham believes God and that's credited to him righteousness. You see, when you have a, a faith, when you believe in God, when you're leaning on God, some things change. You try to do it by your own will, you're going to have a higher and higher stack. You do it by faith, and God keeps you saved. Okay, this is Genesis 15, 4 through 6. Then the word of the Lord came, this man will not be your heir. Now, let me give you, he's promised Abraham a son. 
And Abraham is getting old. And he says, let's just, let me, Eliezer, ah, let him be the heir. Because obviously I'm not going to be able to. And God says, now, a son is coming from your body who will be the heir. And he took him outside and he, he said, look up at the stars and count the stars if indeed you can count them. And then he said, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Started off Abraham saying, there's no way I can do this, Lord. You know, I'm, I'm an old man. I can't do this. But when he believed the Lord, it was credited to him as righteousness. Chapter 4. Now, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. That takes a little explaining. You go to work, if you have a job, and you go to work every day, every week, every two weeks, every month, you get a paycheck. And if you, your boss said, eh, we're not doing it this week, I imagine you'd be a little upset. Reason being, you've worked and he agreed to pay you and he's not keeping up his end of the bargain. So instead of working that way by looking at the number of times I fail, looking at the number of times I sin, looking at the number of times, if I'm saying I've got a balance sheet, Romans says I'm dead wrong. However, the man who does not work but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. We got a whole new system. His faith is what counts. His perfection's not what counts. His good behavior's not what counts. It's his belief in God and his trust in God that counts. Now, will that affect your behavior? Sure. When I ask you to go wild and say, yay, God expects you to, to be partners with him in this. You see, the hard work can be emphasized so much, and it is in certain churches, that people are so scared that they're going to, I ran into somebody the other day, who said, somebody told me you were affiliated with the church. I said, I am. He said, what version do you use? I said, I use the New International Version. He says, it's the wrong version. And you need to switch back to the King James Version because God knows what version you're listening to and reading. And I told him, if he does know, he's going to excuse me because you don't know what King James did. That's the work. Rest the right way, look the right way, act the right way. But what Romans is saying is, that's not it. What really counts is your faith. 
the amount that you trust God. The amount that you try to be what God wants you to be. The amount that you say, God, I don't always make it, but I'm trying. Going back to the grandchildren, they don't always do what's right. We went to Cape Kennedy and lost them twice. Just, uh, we made the mistake of saying, Oliver, who is the older, watch Alex, who is the younger. And Alex escaped more than once. But that didn't count against them. I know they're good kids. I know what they're like. I know who they are. God says, when you know that, he knows what you are. And there might be times you, you fail, but it doesn't matter. This is from Leon Morris, who is a biblical scholar. It doesn't matter if they lived under the Old Testament or the New Testament. A person has never been saved by works. It has always been faith. There's never a time we can get a, a balance sheet that's so much in our favor that we can say, I, I don't need faith. It has always been faith. Old Testament and New Testament. David says, when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works, blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Now, I underline verse 8 because I want you to read it twice. And then I want to remind you, this is Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, David says, there's a man whose sin the Lord never counts against him. Is this blessedness for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised. We've been saying that Abraham's faith was credited as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after. It was before. Paul's taking the time to really bust this idea that if, if you do just all the old right things, that you can count it. So he uses Abraham and says, do you know when that relationship began with God and Abraham? Fourteen years before he was circumcised. Fourteen years without... Out Circumcision happening. 14 years of relationship with God. And he hadn't had the works that would come on. William Barclay explains it this way. The Jewish teachers of Paul's day had a saying. 
what is written of Abraham is also written of his children. Meaning being that the promises given to Abraham extended to his descendants. Paul agreed with this principle and extended the principle of being justified by faith to all Abraham's spiritual descendants. Those who believe, who will also walk in the steps of the faith of Abraham. Abraham's belief in God was strong. I don't mean to minimize that at all. It was strong. He messed up at times because he was human. And what it means is simply that God's way of salvation never has changed. Oh, there were some things that he accomplished in the Old Testament. He had sacrifices. Why? He pointed forward to a sacrifice that would happen when Jesus came. He let people think or see that sin was wrong and it was against God. Why? Because there was a time when Christ would come and he would take away all of our sins. There were some times when they needed to realize that where they were in life was because of what God gave them. So they, they celebrated a lot. They celebrated harvest, they celebrated certain activities, they had a day where they celebrated their deliverance. But you come over to the New Testament, lessons learned, same faith in the cross, same salvation that happened then. See, I'm not saying that you you can just do whatever you want. But if you have faith, and you have decided to let that faith rule your life, God looks at it as you are mine. You do that by... Mike. Uh, if you didn't get a bulletin, pick one up. There's a lot of information in there. I'm going to go through some things that uh, are updates from what's in the bulletin and some new items. Um, 
Lisa, a friend of Heidi Didrick, her lost her mother. Heidi's the one who's online with us on some of the nights, isn't she? Yeah, okay. So you may not all know Heidi, but if you come to some of the classes, you'll hear her name. Uh, she does watch us remotely. Um, Rita, she had her surgery this week. Uh, the doctors thought it went well. They did not have to amputate her leg from, the, from basically the knee down. Uh, but keep her in her prayers that, uh, that the knitting that goes on in the tibia and the fibia, the lower part of the leg, works, actually knits well, and, uh, and that she gets to keep her leg and that she'll, she'll re recover and be able to be with us again. Uh, if you noted this morning that uh, William's here, it was good to see him, and I'm sure for him it's good for him to see us. Uh, he's seeing better. He got released from the doctor on Thursday. He had a good report. And uh, he's walking around by himself, so evidently he can see. Um, Shirley Bauer, she, I mentioned her uh, last week. That's uh, Sabrina, uh, Tagto's uh, mother. Uh, she had three valves that they worked on in her heart, so she had open heart surgery. She should be coming home soon. They also put a pacemaker in, so continue to keep her in her prayers, but she's doing well and appreciate that. Uh, <clears throat> Kevin Hendricks, it's the brother of uh, uh, Nina Nita, will you bow with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we've had to come together this morning to worship your word, to learn about you, to praise you. Father, we're grateful we can do this in a nation where we're allowed to freely assemble to do that. Father, we ask that you be with the people over in the Ukraine and the, the suffering that they're under. Please be with them and keep them as safe as, as possible and allow this conflict to come to an end. Father, we ask that you allow us to be that reflective mirror to just show a bit of the grace and love and majesty that you have demonstrated to us. Allow that to be reflected through us so others can see you and be drawn to you. As, as always, we ask that you be with us as we go out, back out into that world to give us strength honor and wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>